Greetings, listeners. This is an introduction of myself, Wolf the Dog. And this introduction is introducing itself as hard as it can, live from 694.2 PTBP. Speaking of meet and greets, we got a new Howlin' with Wolf this week. Ain't that special? It goes. Hey there, Crystal. Yes, you. Coat rack. Just keep working and act normal or they'll know we're talking. They're always watching. Where do you think the glowing flamingo really came from? The kitchen light flash isn't cold, but I've started to crack it. We'll talk soon. See you in the car from Millhouse. Hmm, this seems like a message that may not have been meant for yours truly. But y'all, I think the postal service is a lie. So I always open up anyone's mail I see. It's like I have access to infinite gifts year round. It's always someone's birthday somewhere. And I'm usually in that someone's dumpster when the mailman goes walking by. Happy birthday to me, baby. Glow and Flamingo do sound pretty choice, though. Remember, if you want to write up something for your wolf to howl, tag at PretendingPod on Instagram or Twitter. Tag Pretending to be People on Facebook. Or write a five-star review on iTunes and email us at PretendingPod at gmail.com. Seriously, though, fuck Mark Zuckerberg, that comfortable coward. Of course, you can also support the show financially over on patreon.com slash pretending pod. Subscribe for just five bucks a month and instantly access six exclusive bonus episodes. The most recent one is the recently unearthed recording of Session Zero for this whole damn campaign, in which the town of contention is created and the cast discusses their plans for the podcast. Well, everybody makes plans, but only what actually happens becomes the news. As of right before sundown, Liz Lonklin had spoken with a strange, rambling man in a clearing surrounded by sigils in a circle of a white powder before she ran into Ash Hornbeam, arm still stuck in the tree. Coming up with no solution, Ash freaked out and pulled his arm halfway out, his extreme pain tolerance the only thing keeping him conscious. Liz bailed to go look for help, and she found Jeremy Pettymore and Ken Krinklehoff with the naked, bloody, muddy man tied to a tree. Jeremy was feeding him sausage toe beans in an attempt to calm his new friend he called Rusty. Ken was not on board with this situation. Judy Krinklehoff ran off into the woods after losing her shit and calling Shadow a tree. The two of them almost fell into a pit trap, but instead found a rather gregarious raccoon that charade style told them to avoid the hand sanitizer and to all get the absolute fuck out of the woods. The three of them walked back to the trailhead, where they found Krista Krinklehoff in the ranger's shack. She gave Judy more hand sanitizer before the three came to the conclusion that the best next course of action is for Krista and Shadow to go back into the woods to find Liz while Judy stays at the ranger's shack with the raccoon. And then, Judy Krinklehoff opened the door to the bathroom, and she learned exactly why it is blue false indigo with moon dance she
the sun. The sun is leaving soon. She knows. You guys are walking through the woods looking for Ash Hornbeam, who Liz has told you has his arm stuck in a tree, and the sun goes down behind the trees of the woods, and you are now walking through total darkness. You are not on the path of the trail any longer, because that is not where Ash Hornbeam resides in the mind of Liz Lonklin. And as you're walking through, you all begin to realize that you have no fucking clue where you are or where you're going. Rusty, no. Rusty, you eat Smokies, but don't bite the fingers. Leave my fingers alone. He's licking at your fingers and like doing that thing where he wraps his lips around your fingertips like a horse might looking for a <laughs> carrot. <laughs> oh my god! No. See, I yeah, I, I feed him palm down from now on, like a, <laughs> or palm up, like you do a horse. And then he immediately like looks over at Ken Krinklehoff and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's yeah, he's being a turd, huh? I pick up my pace ahead of that. <laughs> Liz, you, you, you said he was this way. Where 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 is he? I don't know. I swear, I swear to God, he was just over here, like just over around this corner. And as you guys pass that corner, you see that amongst these trees, you can make it out in the moonlight. It happens to be uh, not a full moon, but like so close to a full moon that you might be like, "That's a full moon," but then you look it up and you're like, oh, "It wasn't a full oh, moon." No, yeah, it's just. Waning. Does this ever happen to you where you think it's a full moon and you say, oh, that's a full moon, and someone corrects you because they know when the full moon is? No, I. but I correct people because you can just fucking look and see when it's a circle or not. Sometimes it's really <laughs> close to a circle. <laughs> wow. So this moonlight is shining down, and ahead of you, you see glinting from the moonlight is a frame, like of a painting, and it's hanging from a tree. Let's just turn around, y'all. <laughs> Fuck that. <laughs> what if we just went the other way immediately? And with that, I'm going to need Thomas and Lindsay to leave the room. Oh, Fuck. no. Hey, Joe. Hey, Zach. We're going to cut to a quick flashback here. Oh, boy. It's uh, a couple years ago, and it also happens to be the evening that Ken Krinklehoff, Ash Hornbeam, and Jeremy Pettymore are out in the woods looking for Madge. Simpler, happier times. Of course. You actually felt one when you were with them. They're, they're, they were, they, they are, they're my buds. <sighs> The look in your eyes when you say that 
just so like nostalgia killing. <laughs> Ken Kringlehoff pops away to go pee, finds a spot in the woods behind a tree. Something else that rhymes. <laughs> as you're as you're looking up from your stream of urine, you see the frame of a painting hanging in the woods. Can I make out what is within the frame? How far away is it from me? It's about 25 yards away from you. And you can see that it looks as if there is nothing within the frame. You see the trees on the other side. I'm going to approach it a little bit. Uh, that's, that's weird. Who put a frame out here in the woods? Go ahead and roll alertness for me. I pass a 27 on a 50. Ken Krinkelhoff notices that somewhere around the edge of the frame, something doesn't line up. It's almost as if what's behind this frame that's hanging isn't the same as what you can see through it. And so you move to the side and you walk, you strafe. Is that how you say that word? Uh You (laughs) strafe. When I was a kid, I always said straffy because I didn't, I didn't, I was a fucking idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Still am. And as you walk to the side, you see that beyond this frame is a cabin sitting in the woods. Ken wants to push his hand through the frame, can he? Go ahead and roll a survival check for me. Oh, fuck. That's a fatal mistake. What's your survival? Uh, 50. I pass a uh, 24 on a 50. As you approach the frame, you make a misstep and your foot is about to land on a wire. There's a wire that is going across the ground that's right in front of the frame and you almost step right on it and you see it's connected to like a stake in the ground and then it goes off to a tree and ties off. Oh shit. Okay, I want to abort my mission of the hand through the painting, and I want to step back and grab a branch or a rock, anything that's nearby, and try and toss it in from where I'm standing. You toss it onto the wire, and a giant wooden spear comes flying through the canvas of this painting and strikes directly into a tree that is five feet away from you and you think if you would have been standing there when you stepped on this wire oh yeah you would have gotten a face full of splinters and probably a back of the head full of splinters as well and it came out of the frame like i couldn't tell where it came from you couldn't but it busted through the frame go ahead and roll a uh, retroactive sanity <laughs> yeah I fail a 78 on a 34. What's going through your mind as you race back to your campsite? It can't, it can't be real. It can't be real. I, I've, I've just not gotten enough sleep tonight. And I, 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 there's just no, there's no, there, it's, it's, it doesn't exist. 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 Jeremy Pettymore, Liz Lonklin, and Ken Krinkelhoff, as well as this large, bloody, muddy man who is at the end of Jeremy Pettymore's rope. Rusty. Rusty, I'm so sorry. Rusty. 
are all standing in this clearing looking at this frame that is glinting in the moonlight. Jeremy, Elizabeth, stop! Uh, yeah, I'm stop. Mm, okay. Don't go near it. You recognize that frame? I, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't think it was real. I didn't think it was. I just thought I was. Uh, just hadn't had enough sleep that night. It's. Look, and I point at the thing on the ground. Looking down where Ken Krinklehoff is pointing, you see that right before this frame that's hanging. There is a tripwire on the ground tied to a stake in the ground, and the other end of the wire goes to a tree that is nearby. So they wanted to distract us with the frame and trip us up with the wire. Here, stand back. Stand back. And I push him where I know is a safe place. Rusty, come here, boy. Come on. And I I go ahead and throw a log and show them. When Ken Krinklehoff throws a small log onto this tripwire, a long wooden spear flies through the canvas of the frame and directly into a tree 10 feet away from you guys. Whoa, that was cool! Holy shit. That was awesome, Ken! How'd you know it would do that? Uh, I, a, a, a couple years ago, I, I was I, I had to pee and I came over here to pee and I, I, <laughs> I, saw, I saw it then. I didn't think it was real. I didn't, I didn't, I just pushed it out of my memory. I didn't, but it's, it's what, real. It's what? there. You guys see it, right? The, the painting? The frame, the arrow? Where the giant spear came through the canvas, you now see there's a cabin in the woods on the other side of the frame. Oh my God, Zach, that's already a movie. I think it's a oh, lot that's of a movies. Oh, did, that's you, a movie. did you not know? That's a, that's Zach, that's a movie. That's the name of a literal movie. Wait, what? Zach, there's a movie called... You fucking beautiful idiot. Cabin that's in a the movie. That's a very popular movie. Are there any Eldritch Gods in it? Yeah, I think so, Actually, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. I think it's like the whole deal. <laughs> if you want to start over, we can. Let's just okay. go back. This is so embarrassing for you. Do you guys want to make middle schoolers this time? Sure. Yes. You'd like that. God, again? <laughs> Super cool when you do that. It makes me feel good. No, it makes me feel good. Oh. Hey. Oh. Got him. FBI. Come on. Inside. Got him. Ew. Bustin' makes me feel good. Bustin' makes me feel good. Ooh, that was good. Bustin' makes me feel good. <laughs> Sorry. All together now. Bustin' makes me feel good. It's all about ghosts now. It's middle schoolers and ghosts. <laughs> hey, uh, Jeremy Pettymore, how do you feel about the fact that Ken saw something out in the woods a couple years ago and didn't say anything to you? Jeremy is probably just a little too excited by all this. <laughs> <laughs> and, if, and if he really processed it, he'd be he'd put one and one like two together, and he'd be like, "Well, what the fuck, man." But right now, he's just like, he's very much in the moment. This is your, this your, is, the treasure hunter who has stoked. found yeah. a chest at the bottom of a hole. <laughs> yeah, of course, this woods is full of freaky frames and freaky frames. <laughs> cabins in the woods. I grab Jeremy, I grab him and kind of move him to show him that there's no cabin over there. It's just when you look through here. Nope. Oh, that's not the when case. When you look through on the other side this time. There is a cabin. Oh, that freaks uh, Ken out. No, Go ahead look, and roll sanity for me. There's a cabin there, dude. There wasn't. It wasn't oh. there. It wasn't there. I fail hard. A 93 on a 34. Go ahead and roll a d6 for me. 
Oh, boy. Oh, boy. A five. Yeah! That's what I wanted to happen. So you lose five sanity, go down what to 29. Oh, well, you had a lot, relatively. <laughs> and we're playing a slightly different sanity mechanic for this game. It's <laughs> come through a couple times, maybe just once earlier, but you have not seen it. We're going to do bouts of insanity. Do you remember earlier in one of our other campaigns, maybe both of them, what I would have you do is rank, fight, flight and faint oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. from most likely to least likely for your character. So which would be most likely? Uh, flight. He's and a, next running. would be? Uh, fight. And the third would be? Faint. All right. So if you roll a one, two, or three, you will flight. If you roll a four or a five, you will fight. And if you roll a six, you will faint. It's a four. That's a fight, baby. What? Oh, God. So here's what I'm thinking. You just start punching that cabin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dump cabin. I don't know exactly what you look for in a fight response, but could I like maybe grab the spear and be ready to fight? Like I'm I'm amped and stoked to be doing damage now. Not only are you going to grab the spear and be stoked to do damage now, but also flight was going to be run away, so fight is going to be run toward... toward. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta kill this cabin and why do you hate some home so much someone built that with their hands they lived there they lived there for all we know it didn't used to be there Lindsay what is Liz Conklin doing Liz Lonklin first of all how dare you is um she's just confused she's like it's a cabin. Why is it that crazy that there's a cabin there? I'm sure that person that lives there put this frame there. I don't know. It just seems to me like somebody's being a douche who's trying to keep me from performing voodoo on the girl that I'm... Out here to perform voodoo on. Yeah. yeah. Damn, she has such a cooler reason for being in the woods than us. I'm just pissed. Yeah, why the fuck am I here with these fucking freshmen It's just a right spell now? written yeah. by Fufu Zuzu Voodoo. It's a book they found in the library. And so, Jeremy Pettymore, what are you doing? Can't wait. Hold up. Come on, Rusty. And I, like, I, I follow after him. Can't stop. Gotta fight. Can't stop, gotta fight might be your last words. Roll a <laughs> alertness check at a negative 40 for being insane. I was going to say that there might be more traps, but uh -huh. I was running. Yeah, there might be. <laughs> what am I running? What am I rolling? Uh, uh, alertness, alertness at negative 40. At negative 40? For being absolutely out of your mind. Absolute fail. It's a 76. And um, you run directly into a pile of leaves on the ground that is not a pile of leaves on the ground. It's a motherfucking pit trap. And I need once again Thomas and Lindsay to leave the room. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don't worry guys, Boston I'm going to get out of it. makes me feel good. <laughs> you guys, it makes you, me feel good. You guys actually see him as he's running. He just fucking, he's on your level, and then he's not anymore. <laughs> Swoop. Leaves pop up behind. Yep. <laughs> Ash Hornbeam, you're standing in the middle of the woods. You have no fucking clue direction-wise where you are from anything in the contention woods. Your arm is halfway in the hollow 
of a tree. We figured it out. <laughs> I looked it up while I was editing I, that I looked, episode. I, I looked it up uh, literally like three days ago because I was like, what is a knot but not a knot? Not a knot. Well, I looked it up. It's a hollow and we both use the word hollow Did we? within 30 seconds of not knowing what it is. Okay. Well, perfect. Uh, Your but arm not perfect is for halfway into this hollow of this tree. The rest of your arm that you can see up to your elbow is muscle and uh, a thin layer of membrane <laughs> that is, what's it called? What's in between muscle? You, you were in, in nursing school for like uh, four months. Well, between your, I mean, there's like layers of skin and then your muscle. What's that sinew called? The white stuff? Aphasia? Aphasia? Afa- no, fascia? F-A-C-I-A? F-A, yeah, Fascia. Fascia. Doesn't matter. Let's move on. It's not like that would have been ripped away. (laughs) It would not be there. Like the brine of an orange or the pith, I mean. So. Oh, yeah. Ooh, gross. You can see this juice. Think about that. This juice of your arm just. Think about a blood orange that you like didn't really take the peel off of very well. And the sun goes down behind the trees in the distance. And you are standing all alone in moonlight. I really don't know where to go from here. You hear a branch crack in the distance. Someone is nearby. I wait silently. Approaching you is a man. He's wearing a black suit, a white shirt, and a bolo tie. He is in his late 20s, early 30s maybe. He has a very, very bitchin' mustache. He's pretty fit, his pants are a little too tight, and he flashes an FBI badge as he approaches. Name's Agent Kevin. I need you to tell me uh, what you're up to with your arm stuck in this tree out here in the woods. Ash just looks down at his arm. A tear rolls out of his eye. Just help me. I'm here to help. I need a little bit of information before I can help my, you. My arm is stuck. Why? Because <laughs> I put it in here. Why can't you get it out? It feels like there's barbs in here, and the more I pull out, the more skin gets ripped off. I just, I, I don't know what to do. He pulls some cloth out of one of his pockets, and he wraps it around your arm, if you're willing. Whatever you want to do. So he begins, uh, he has some ointment that he puts on your arm, and then he wraps a cloth around it, and he's like, that should help start the bleeding for now a little bit, but I need some more information. What were you What were you doing out here in the woods? You know there's people missing, right? I know, I gotta... Why'd you decide to become one of them? It hurts me a little bit, but I kind of like pull my arm away from the tree, and I let the light shine out, and I just point to it and I look at him with like wide eyes. Yeah, that's wild. That's not an answer though. Why'd you come out to the woods anyway in the first place? Well, we come out here, me and a couple friends, we come out here uh, we come out here every every year and, and, and we uh, you know, we just camp. I was just trying to camp, but we found You decided to camp when there were people missing in the woods? You decided to come out here and camp anyway? Doesn't seem very smart. I'm... I'm in high school. I see that. I didn't think through. Mo- I wasn't gonna stop camping every year if if people are missing. I don't. I'm invincible. Roll a persuade. He's gonna roll human against you. 
49 on a 50. I rolled a 69, which in our house rules is a critical success. success. Uh, (laughs) You're not telling me the whole truth, son. I can see it in your eyes. Something scared you. You knew about something like this before you came out here. What's your deal? We come out here every year to find something. We haven't found it yet, but... What are you looking for? I don't know if I can tell you. You have to trust me, or you're going to die tonight. Ash looks down at his arm, and... He sees the first aid, basically, sure. what, what this guy has done to him. And he looks up at the FBI. He says, I'm looking for Madge. Who's Madge? It's just uh, a while back we heard about a, a woman in the woods. And at first it was just kind of an excuse to come out and camp every year. But uh, every year we started believing in it a little more. And uh, with all this stuff going on... I. I think I finally believe it. Hmm. And we're out here looking for her. I got a couple friends. Uh, two of my buddies are, are, I don't know where they are now. I don't know where I am, but I came with them. All right, well. Shit. All right. Thank you. And he walks up behind you. And you feel the metal of a gun up against the back of your head. And his hand is trembling. An instinct kicks in. His left arm, which is, his right arm is in the tree. His left arm reaches into his pocket, pulls out a lighter. And then he reaches in to his inside of his jacket, pulls out a handful of firecrackers. And in one quick motion, lights the lighter. Lighting five or six firecrackers he reaches behind him and he holds the firecrackers on this guy's head knowing that his hand is going to get hurt holds the lit firecrackers on this guy's head and waits for them to explode all right uh i'm gonna go ahead and roll some dice here to see what agent kevin decides to do As soon as you do that, he pulls the gun back down, grabs the firecrackers in your hand, and he throws them, like, with your hand, and then he stands up in front of you face to face. All right, you're a fighter. We could actually use another set of hands. Well, I guess maybe just one will do. I'll be back. Ash kind of chuckles because he gets the little joke that this FBI agent made. He reaches back into his jacket and stares him in the eye. The tiny explosion happens from these fireworks that you guys have thrown off away from you, and he turns back and looks at you with this wry smile. You look, uh, you look familiar. You that, you're that kid from around here who had the uh, the troubles with them robbers, yeah? Yeah, that's. That's me. And you you fought him off, didn't you? Oh, yeah. Real real good. I knew you were a fighter. How'd you do that? Well, I pulled a lot of pranks, kind of used my past knowledge of pranks that usually were harmless, but I added a little element to them to, to do some harm. Yeah, we're going to need some thinking like that for tonight. Well, I'll come with you if you can get me out of this tree. And then we flash back into the history. The the pages on the book turn backwards as this, you know, fluttering music happens behind us. And we travel back into time when Ash Hornbeam is an even younger boy. 
and we see the front of the Hornbeam home. What kind of house do the Hornbeams have? It's like a two-story, um, just kind of like Victorian. And right there on the front steps, we see Ash Hornbeam. He's wearing one of those like crisis blankets, and he's got some hot cocoa in his hands. And there's an officer from the contention police force there talking to him. Now, um, Mr. Hornbeam, what, what, what was it? What, what time did this all begin this evening? I started, uh, hearing some noises, uh, in my, in my, uh, in my, my basement, uh, r- around f- uh, 5.30. Around 5.30, okay. And what kind of voices were these? I think it was two voices, maybe three, but I'm pretty sure two men's voices. Two men's voices, okay. And did you get a good look at these men? Not a great look, but uh, one was tall and skinny, and one was short and, and fat. Classic two-man robbery team. Mm-hmm. Trench coats. What is it that they they seem to have been looking for and or have stolen? Well, I think they were after... Uh, my, my dad's got a real big coin collection that's pretty well known. Uh, he takes them to coin shows and shows them off, and he's got some real valuable stuff down there. He keeps them in a, uh, locked up in the basement. Locked up in the basement, okay. And, uh... and then we flash back to Ash Hornbeam in his home all alone a few hours earlier. Ash Hornbeam is home alone, watching TV, and he sees an ad, made-for-TV ad kind of thing for something he really wants to buy. I've, it was a like a CD player, I think, that he wanted. Three-disc changer. Three-disc changer. Um, for how much it costs, his allowance was not going to pay for it. So he hatched an idea to uh, try to get into those coins. Get into the coins? Yeah, to get into the lockbox the coins were in so that he could sell them and buy that new CD player. So how did he uh, How did he pull this off? He uh, kind of rummaged through his parents' room. He didn't know the code to it, but looking for maybe clues of what it could be. He didn't really find anything, so he went down there and just started typing in birthdays. And eventually? It was my birthday. Aw, your parents love you so much. Yep. And I'm taking their stuff. <laughs> so there was a, in the lockbox, uh, yeah, the entire coin collection valued at $40,000. Yeah, yeah, some real nice stuff. And then a handgun. Uh, he knows knows which ones were more valuable, so he just took like a handful, not the whole thing. He, did, he didn't need $40,000. <laughs> but he takes about $600 worth of coins. And then we flash back to this officer talking to you, and he's like, so we, we walked through the house, and, and we saw there's just a mess all over the place. I mean, you got paint cans uh, that are hanging from strings, and... You know, I, when I heard him down in there, I, I figured, you know, I, I got to defend myself and get him out of here. So, yeah, I, I found some some paint cans in the garage and, and some hammers uh, and tied strings to them, did a little... I learned how to do a tripwire when I was uh, in the Boy Scouts. So I did that by the stairs, and when they were coming up, I threw marbles down the stairs, and they, they fell down, and then they were mad, so they were coming after me. And then, uh, yeah, uh, the first one, the tall one, uh, he tripped the first wire, and the, the paint bucket swung right into his face, covered him with that paint that's all over the crown. And then the second one came up, the shorter one came up, and the other tripwire, uh, yeah, the, the second tripwire that I did, the hammers came and whacked him in, on either side of the head, and he fell back down and got pain all over him. And then uh, I yelled that I was going to call the police and that I had a gun. And then, uh, yeah, then I, I called you guys. 
And then the front door swings open and walking out is uh, another police officer from contention. And the first one that you're talking to is like, no, 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 hold on. And before he can stop him, a bucket falls down on the top of this guy's head. And he's like, oh, no. Yeah, it was a bucket that I had made that uh, goo stuff out of. But it went all, all over him and the bucket's on his head. So he can't see anything. He walks into the wall and falls down. I'm like, well, you know, I'm, they must have gone out the back door because I, I set that one up for the front door. Okay, well, we're going to talk to your parents and then uh, we'll have a report written up and we'll, we'll see if we can find these fellas. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, what I said one, they're both tall. They were both tall. Okay, so the short, the short, fat one was tall. He wasn't as tall. That's why I said short. Less tall, still yeah. tall. Mm-hmm. Okay. And one was ugly. The other one was even uglier. Well, the most important thing is that and a beard. Too. Oh, he's got a beard too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is really narrowing it down. Well, the most important thing I I, I believe is that you feel safe here. Yeah, I think I've I've got to unbooby trap the rest of the house. So don't don't go walking upstairs or anything. Uh, but yeah, uh, I feel safe now. I, I think I can defend myself. I think my parents are on their way back home too. Hey Luke. Yeah. Did you get that three disc CD player? Yeah, he's got it. Uh, he carries it everywhere I go, everywhere he goes. Uh, he's got Def Leppard on there. Of course. Uh, Def Leppard's really fitting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's got Def Leppard. He's got a uh, Ramones album. Uh, and then he's got a Madonna album in it yep. too. Yeah. That's very important. Fucking Def yep. Leppard. Alrighty, cutting back to present day, or whatever your present day is. Cutting back to Ash Hornbeam with his arm stuck halfway into the hollow of this tree. This man's smile fades as he turns. Agent Kevin walks away from you back into the darkness of the woods. Ash stands there, dumbfounded, wishing that that would have been a rescue, but... He looks back down at his arm, looks at the tree, and just punches it with his left arm and looks down in defeat. Ash Hornbeam, you're standing still halfway the forearm out of this tree. And you see from the direction where Agent Kevin walked away, he's walking back, and there's another figure with him. And as they come into focus, you see that it is a woman. She is wearing a black suit, a white shirt, black tie, and she is holding a machete that is glinting in the moonlight. And as she's walking toward you, you can hear she is chanting while she rubs one of her hands over this blade. And as she gets closer, you see she is smiling, a cold, vacant smile behind asymmetrical bangs that are covering one of her eyes. And the two of them finally get up to you. As they approach, he doesn't want to do it, but Ash just instinctually winks at them finger guns with his free arm and the hand that is stuck inside of the tree also finger guns (laughs) ash winces a little bit from like using his muscles in the tree it kind of digs in just a little bit but 
the wink and the free hand finger gun make up for the pain. <laughs> Please don't make me roll. <laughs> In two quick movements, Agent Kevin says, this is Agent Karen, and she lifts this machete that's glinting in the moonlight over her head, and she brings it down swiftly right at your forearm and you step back away from the tree and immediately out of like shock reaction, you look at your forearm and not only is the end of it completely cauterized, but it starts to grow back and your forearm literally remolds itself into this kind of long stump at the end. So you don't have your hand, there's just this kind of long stump, but it's still this well-formed skin. And then from halfway up your forearm to about your wrist, it's still raw and red. And like, you know, you can see the muscle and tissue and stuff. She says absolutely nothing. She just like smiles at you and then turns around, starts walking the other way. Agent Kevin throws his arm around you. All right, we're going to need some more of that firecracker hand quickness triggery fingers where we're going. And he leads you along with Agent Karen to a black sedan sitting next to a four-wheeler in the middle of the woods. And you can see through some of the brush and trees, there is a cabin and it's a stakeout, baby. Hell yeah. Taylor, Shadow, Sharon Berryman, if you will, is walking down the trail of the Contention Woods with Krista, the Krinklehoff matriarch. And I believe she was singing a song about death. Death is all around us, etc. Etc. And uh, Krista is like not having any of it. She's like folded arms walking and the sun goes down behind the trees in the distance and she pulls out a flashlight and begins leading the two of you on this dirt path of roots and rocks and only lit by the light of a flashlight and then oh oh my goodness do you see that and she points the flashlight over to the side like in the thick of the woods and she points the flashlight out there she's like oh i is that liz krista immediately takes off into the brush of the woods with the flashlight kind of bouncing off these trees. Total darkness except for the moonlight and this flashlight. I run after her giggling because I see no importance in any of this and I'm having a great time. Yeah, absolutely. You've got the uh, you've got the things dangling from your, your hands and you're like waving them back and forth and just kind of like whimsically running through the trees. And so since you don't care, I'm going to have you roll your alertness at negative 40 as you just put no effort into running through all these woods. What's your alertness normally? 40. Oh, bummer town. So you have a zero. So uh, let's see if you if you roll an ot one, that's a success. And if you your dice matches a crit fail. So go ahead and roll those dice. Excellent odds. <laughs> Nine ninety-five. <laughs> Alright, so that is a fail. And you see the flashlight go completely dark as you feel a rope tighten around your ankle. 
And in this moonlit darkness, you lose control of your body and you lose your bearings completely as this rope hoists you up into the air, upside down, hanging by one foot. The blood immediately begins rushing to your head and a bright light blinds you momentarily before Krista Krinkelhoff turns the flashlight on herself under her chin like it's spooky story time. My darling, it is certifiably unfortunate that your demise is seemingly necessary despite my finding your demeanor so appropriate for your kind. From your personal hymns, I can assume and do hope that a lack of existence is your preference. And then I whisper to myself, finally. And you see a long silver tendril grows from the back of Krista Krinkelhoff's neck. Then another, then another and another as the limbs extend toward your pinata-like hanging body. The camera pans down to watch the long shadows play out this grisly scene on the detritus below. One of the shiny tentacles slices into the soft tissue on the back of your neck. Another snaps your head forward and you feel the fracture as a third reaches in, gripping the top of your spine and it rips your entire spinal cord down out of your body in one swift motion, promptly delivering you to your lack of a destination. And you feel nothing dope Allie you just told me something horrifying about your mom (laughs) (laughs) I did She used to hide under my bed, and when I would run out from the bathroom at night, she would reach out and grab my ankles. That is wholly (laughs) fucked up. so bad. So just imagine that feeling inside that you have, uh, like when your ankle would get grabbed, is the exact (laughs) horror that you feel as you're standing at the entrance of this bathroom that is attached to this shack at the trailhead of the Contention Woods, and the sun goes down and it's dark outside and it starts to rain behind you looking ahead you see this body that is crumpled folded even wearing the state trooper uniform Uh, and the body is buzz woodrow if you will and uh it is lifeless so uh do you have forensics or sigint i have a 20 in Sigint. Oh, yeah. Go ahead and roll that. Okay. I got a 20. <laughs> no way. That's incredible. <laughs> That's a success. Oh, yay. Good. Yeah. So you can tell looking around this bathroom, there was a tussle in here. Mm. And you're like Sherlock Holmesing around the place. And what is something small from Krista Krinkelhoff's purse? Something small chapstick you see the exact brand of chapstick your mother krista krinkelhoff uses has rolled behind the toilet of this place oh my god go ahead and roll sanity for me 
I got a 14 on a 32. That is also a success. Wait, you had a 32 in first aid? I said sanity. Oh, I did say sanity. (laughs) Do you mean first aid? How'd you do that? Uh, No, so you succeed. I think maybe inside you knew all along that your mom was a fucking bitch. (laughs) I always knew, Krista. Uh, So now roll first aid for me. (laughs) I was one one roll ahead in my head. Okay, I got a 66 on a... 50. You have absolutely no idea what happened here or why he's like this, but uh, you feel a poke behind you as you're looking around this room. And the raccoon is standing in the doorway. <laughs> motioning, like, let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> That's what the raccoon says with its he arms. He says, let's get the fuck out of here. And get, get the fuck out of here. Cool. Uh, I follow him. Okay. Because I'm losing my mind. That absolutely (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) Judy, you follow this raccoon out into the rain, into the darkness. There's one light that overshadows the entire parking lot, and it's flickering. You turn the corner on the other side of the shack, and looking down the trailhead... A lightning bolt flashes in the distance, and it's just enough to light up a blood-covered Krista Krinkelhoff. My God. Who is walking directly toward you. She Huh? 